Welcome to Unanthropologetic. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. I have Flex and Preston here with me, as always. Yo, yo, yo. It's your boy Preston. <laughs> here again, back at it again for another fucking week. <laughs> have Hi. you um have you shared with our audience like that you you are in your home now? Um no. was it in our last episode? I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I think the last episode I was still bitching and talking about how our uh, realtor, you know, ain't doing what she needs to do. But maybe since then, um, we, Tyler and I, have closed. Well, I think I actually did say this on that. I think you did. But this is the first episode that we're recording where you are in your right. new home. So okay. we're actually in the new space now. We moved completely um, this past Saturday, and it was just, I mean, we have way more crap than I thought we did. Um, (laughs) I just, I don't know. It's like I always underestimate. So I'm like telling the woman when I'm scheduling the moving people, I'm like, oh, it should be about 10 boxes. Um, I think when I counted, we were up to like 21. Oh, wow. Yeah. One boxes containers just different stuff between Tyler and I and then I had a storage unit that I like cleaned out and brought everything here so um it's just a lot of stuff um and I am feeling overwhelmed I'm feeling grateful happy that we're in the space that I'm with Tyler but I'm feeling so like you know, there's just not enough time. There's not enough money. There's not enough anything mm-hmm. at the moment because I can't do it all at once. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. Moving sucks. Like, it doesn't matter how prepared you are or what. It, do, it just sucks. Like, and getting settled sucks. But once you do get settled, <laughs> it'll all be worth it. And it really comes down to, like, one box at a time, right? Like, one box at a time, one bill at a time. Yeah. Because that's all you can do. Like, I, I think, like, yeah, you just can't, I don't know. Yeah. You, if you if you look at the entire picture of things, it's just, like, a lot to chew, right? So you just got to take it one bite at a time, right. which, yeah, I've been there. I feel like I move at least once a year. <laughs> so. Yeah. Especially, so, like, I used to do the same. Like move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like as I've gotten older, I've become a lot more, like, resistant to moving and changing and so I think my spirit and body is even feeling that so you guys if I like have a freaking cough spell um I have this dry cough that I can't shake and I feel like I'm getting sick from you know everything the move the dust the everything so we'll see um how it goes but yes guys i'm in my place it is beautiful right now it doesn't look beautiful it is like a tornado came through this thing (laughs) i was trying to get it all ready to go for thanksgiving but honestly i don't think i'm going to be able to get make that deadline so my goal is to at least get the table cleaned off for thanksgiving so i can so tyler and i can eat and have a good thanksgiving so more to come on that but we're in here um, thank you all for your love and support. I really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah so, so how are you, Mona? How, thing, how are things going? How are things going? You know, I think I'm in like a different 
a different place. That's not true. I did completely rearrange like one side of my room this last week. And I like how it feels now. It's still a mess though. Cause I'm like also trying to clean up because I'm going to go see my family tomorrow mm-hmm. in Colorado. So I'm trying to like, you know how you like try to clean everything. So you come back and it's like nice and fresh. Right. So I'm still in the process of doing that. Um, but you know, otherwise, like, I feel like I just really took the week off. Like I only, I worked, but I only did things that were absolutely critical and I don't know. I've, I've just had a really good few days. Like the other night I went over to my friend, um, Katrina's house. I don't know if she listens to the podcast, but she's also a Gemini. I feel like this has been a year of me just bonding with all the Gemini's. Um, but she has a fire pit and we like lit the fire pit and had a few drinks and like roasted s'mores and got really good Jamaican food. And it was just, it was just so, it was just like what I needed, you know? And yeah, I've just been feeling a lot of gratitude recently. Like just, I I feel like I'm living the life that I always like wanted to live. And of course that's not, it's not perfect. Like there's things that I, I would still like, but yeah, like sometimes I just like look around. And I'm like, wow, this is what I wanted. Like, this is what I've always dreamed of. And Mm-hmm. And yeah, and and I'm doing it. So that's I don't know. I've been really thinking about that a lot. That's great. That's yeah. great. I mean, I think that I always see those memes where the girls are like, you know, remember what? How did they set it up? It's like you were. Don't forget to thank God for where you are now because this is what you were dreaming about. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I just recently posted something that said something very similar of like, yeah, just like if you were to look back and think about like what you wanted at one point, exactly what you said. And so, yeah, I mean, again, it's not like perfect. It's not like I'm living this perfect life where I'm like happy all the time, but I, I just feel like I've created a good space for myself where I like feel rejuvenated, inspired. You know, when I wake up, I like hanging out in my room, I like working. I like, you know, just walking around Philly. Like it's just been, it's just been a good like few weeks where I've really just been cognizant of that. Right. And yeah, just sitting in my gratitude. So that's great. That's mm-hmm. nice. And that's, you know, that's all you can ask for. So <laughs> yeah. To learn how to do that. Uh, take that from your book. Right now I'm like, fuck me <laughs> I mean I think the other thing to remember is like because I've also been reflecting a lot on this too <laughs> like me and my all my wisdom right being like 31 years old but like um I've just been reflecting a lot because I feel like in my mid-20s I had this like or not even my early 20s I had this like attitude of like oh I know everything in the world and like whatever and then I you know when I hit my mid-20s I was suddenly like wow, I, I don't know anything. And I'm thinking I'm kind of back in that spot where I'm like, wow, like there's still so much more to like learn. But I guess like one of the things that I have learned is that like all of these emotions and feelings are very transient, right? So like, you know, a few weeks ago, I think I like came on, I had this like shitty attitude on the, not like at the podcast, but I think I came on, I was like, I'm just mad at everyone. And mm-hmm. now I'm like, on the other side of the scale where I'm like, life is great. And it isn't great. Like I've, 
wait, what am I saying? Like I'm going back and forth. It's like, there's components, there's components that are really nice and really great that I'm grateful for. But like, I definitely in the last month have had to really confront a lot of people, um, really advocate for myself. And and I, I think that's also kind of contributed because it's also something that has lended itself to me feeling empowered by my own actions, like me advocating for myself, me telling people like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this assignment. This has nothing to do with things that I'm interested in. And mm-hmm. I think all of that has lended itself to this feeling of gratitude. Cause I'm like, wow, like 10 years ago, I never would have spoken up like this or five years ago, I would never have spoken up like this. So yeah, I think it's always about learning, but, and it's also all these emotions are always transient. So like maybe by the end of the year, I'll be like, I hate everything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's where I am. But I'm always yeah. at this point, you know, I'm always like a, you know, two shakes of lamb's tail away from being over every goddamn thing. So I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, your infectious positivity right now and hopefully infuse it at least while we're doing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think also though, like, if you were to take a, a big picture of your year and maybe we'll like talk more about this later, but your year has been just full of milestones, right? Like just so full of milestones. And I think we've like mentioned this a few times on the podcast. So maybe the big picture of yours is that, you know, you had all these really big milestones. And so like in the day to day, it's like, I'm over everything, but the big picture is that you've had a lot of good things happen this year. So yeah. I agree. I agree. I, I I can't complain, so I'm gonna try not. To. <laughs> I'm not even like frustrated in the sense of complaining. I just think that I'm in a space where I am feeling like, holy, like crap. Like I have so much to do. We have so many things, you know, on our plate. You know, it's about to be the end of the year. You know, Christmas coming you know going home to Georgia you know it's just a lot of like different things and I think that's where my spirit is just kind of like trying to settle yeah definitely I think it's just overwhelming like again moving is just overwhelming it's a change too and I think another thing is us humans like we just don't like change like we don't do well when something really drastic or you know right happens and so you know, like you're in this holy shit, <laughs> everything's overwhelming mood, but soon you'll be in this holy shit. Like I live in this beautiful place mentality. And I think I'm going to feel that way in January. Yes. <laughs> with everything. Yeah. So we'll revisit this, of course, in January. Yeah. And so this is also a side note, but something I've been like doing is I've been journaling so that I can reflect on the journal. And so like, it'd be interesting. I mean, I guess this podcast kind of serves as as a journal because we could reflect on this particular episode in -hmm. January when you're like in that space where you're like, wow, this is my life. Right. So, yeah. Yes. I. (coughs) Sorry, guys. Um, I hope I don't have COVID. I shouldn't. She's a wheeze. That would be that would be the icing on the <laughs> that I caught COVID. Um, but I, I have my booster. <clears throat> but um, anywho, yes, you're right. I I think I think 
right now I'm in the eye of the storm or I'm in the middle of the storm. Um, and once I make it to the other side, I will be filled to the brim with excitement and gratitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so many, you know, decisions to make and, you know, not want to take the wrong decision. Like, you know, I had a, a vision for our bedroom and not all of the furniture is now sold out that we were going to buy. So we didn't buy it because we were told uh-huh. not to buy and make big purchases until we closed. And so now that we've closed, all of the furniture is sold out. So it's like, are you effing kidding? Like, what? <laughs> what? Uh, so now it's like, do I sacrifice the design in my head? And I know these are like first world problems and like very, you know, very um, privileged problems. Because I'm sure people who don't have a home, you know, simply just want a space to lay their head. I get that. And I shouldn't let this stress me out um, because there are bigger fish to fry. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I also think like, I also think that, um, you know, like you shouldn't discount the things that are like, feeling heavy I mean maybe not heavy that's might be dramatic but like that are just like on the forefront of your mind it was like one of my really good friends when I was like in high school she had a pretty hard life and she would always say like no one's pile no one's pile of shit is bigger than anyone else's pile of shit and so yes like maybe there are people who are struggling with other things but you know you you've worked hard and like it's okay for you to you know, be not happy that your furniture sold out. Like that's, I don't know. I'd be, I feel like that'd be frustrating, especially if you had your heart set on something, but yeah. I assume it'll come back in stock, right? Just not. Yeah. In- it's just depending on how long I'm going to wait. For, you know? Yeah. Right. So, we'll see. I mean, I already feel a bit better through talking it out on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Things will turn around soon. Yeah. And so this week we kind of wanted to keep this one pretty lighthearted. Well, maybe not lighthearted, but like it's gonna be kind of random, I think, because um we had a couple different things that we wanted to like discuss. Um, and I guess we've discussed a lot. It's been therapy, therapy with bone impression. <sighs> mm-hmm. Um, but the first thing, Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs> so what are what are your reactions to that? You know, uh, mm, I don't even know where to begin. I think when I first heard the news, I was at work and I just felt it's like I wasn't surprised, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I felt like here we go again you know it's like it's another white boy crying and claiming self-defense when no one told his white ass to go to another whole ass state and start shooting people like well how where's the self-defense i just don't get it yeah it's like i completely agree and i think even like some of the interviews like the other the other thing that i like struggle with is that the people there's a group of people who are like kind of glorifying him 
And like, you know, they're giving him these like exclusive interviews and things like that. And it's just like, none of us want to hear it. Like, we don't really care about him saying that he's like supportive of Black Lives Matters or, you know, not racist or whatever it is. It's like he was out there, like he wasn't out there with his gun to protect Black Lives Matters. He was there for the opposite of that, which was, you know, like to be a vigilante towards the people who were protesting Black Lives Matters. And so like, you know, if you, not you, but like, if he, if he like was supportive of it, of Black Lives Matters, then why didn't he just stay home? Like, why did he show up with his gun that he was purchased illegally um, in a whole nother state? And like, you know, it's just like, none of it makes sense. And I just like, I just, yeah, I'm, I wasn't surprised either. Like, I feel like I we all knew what was gonna, the outcome was going to be. Yeah, it, there was no surprise. It's just like I just want I don't want like I don't want to keep hearing about him. And then there was like this other like press release where he was like, "I just want to have a normal life." I'm like, "Sorry, you're a murderer. Like, you're not going to have a normal life. You're already uh, what's the word? Like an extraneous variable. Like, yeah, you're like an outlier." Right. I agree. I just, I I don't understand what sense of normalcy he thinks he's going to achieve at this point. You know, but what I also have found that I get very frustrated with is the whole, you know, social media wokeness um, that begins to take place where people create these memes. And, and I get it. Like, some of the memes are meant to inform and keep you aware of, you know, they treated this white person this way, they treated this Black person that way, or this Black person was unarmed and was shot dead, and this white person was armed and taken into custody. And I and I understand, you know, why we make those conclusions, and they're va- very, they're extremely valid. I think what frustrates me is that, so, once we've once this has ran the media meal is like so what what next right so like we all had this like overzealousness to like get george um zimmerman george zimmerman yes george George zimmerman george floyd george i'm putting them together homeboy zimmerman last name zimmerman boy who shot um Trayvon Martin. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you're right, George. George Zimmerman. George Zimmerman. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, sorry, y'all. This is the end of the day, so <laughs> I be trying my best to give y'all the facts. Um, but George Zimmerman. Um, and you know, seemingly, he comes out every now and then to troll us and to say some fucked up shit. But he's like, you know, we don't. Not that we don't focus on holding him accountable, but is you know how how do you truly hold someone accountable after the fact? Um, and then what what policies have we created in order to protect you know pe- protect black and brown people from experiencing something like this again? And I don't know if we have really made a tangible difference in the areas that truly matter. So it's like, yes, let's do the memes. Let's talk about it on social media, but 
how do we work together as a community and a larger collective to truly make a, a policy impact and a policy change? Yeah, you know, I think that's a really good question and like something I definitely have thought of, thought about because I I feel like I feel like well like going back to George Floyd, like I feel like when he died or when he was murdered, like I also feel like that's when I started like being like when is when is this ever going to change? When is this going to end? Because even though there was so much evidence of exactly what happened, people were like, oh no, like, you know, they're still disputing it. They're still questioning it. And, and it's just like the entire justice system just needs like a very extreme makeover, very extreme, like, but it's also like, where do you start? (laughs) Cause we got to wait for these people to retire or get fired, which is not going to happen or die, which is, you know, yeah, it's like, where do you start? But it's also like, so, and who the fuck is going to do that, right? Like, who do we trust? I mean, the other person I really trust at this point is Michelle Obama, you know? <laughs> but, like, who do who do we trust to truly overhaul the system and make it, you know, non-biased towards Black and brown people? Mm-hmm. I don't know if there, if that person exists. Yeah, and I don't I don't even think there's one person who can do it. I think it has to be like a collective effort. I really do cuz like, you know, we have like even the way our our governments like set up is like, you know, we have the federal government, but then the state, you know, states have their own power and control over like how they handle certain issues and um it's just like it just it's just we're going to require like I don't think there's any one person who can change it. And that's also because of like the whole checks and balances thing. Um, I, but I just think it's going to take like a collective effort where like a lot of people are going to have to get involved. And like, ideally I would love to be involved, but I just don't even know how to do that. Like I, I wouldn't even know where to go. (laughs) You want to start a club? (laughs) I I think that's, the difficult part about it because we're talking about systems we're talking about policies things that feel much larger than the you know one individual person and then even as a collective how do you overhaul overhaul these systems and compete against the people who are truly trying to keep these systems in place right um i think that's easier said than done because essentially we're saying you know, we need someone to come in and basically, what do they call it? Like a coup mm-hmm. of the government. And then you don't really want that to happen. But like, again, who is going to overhaul the current structures that we have in place now? Yeah. And and then how do you make it stick? And I I, I I just feel like it's easier said than done, and maybe I'm being pessimistic. <coughs> but you know. no, I just and th- you know, and that's another thing too that I like. I was talking to my students about this because, like, there there is like a group of people who have these huge ideals about you know what the government should look like, and like the government should do X, Y, and Z. And then they'll you know sit there and point fingers and like say like, oh, AOC is trash and 
Joe Biden's trash. And like, yes, these people do have problematic things. Like even Joe, like Joe Biden, Dr. Biden, no. Joe Biden, he like, even with this whole Kyle Rittenhouse thing came out and said that it was fair or whatever. And I was just like, you should probably just not open your mouth. Like you should have kept it shut. Right. But but see, you know, he has something to gain, you know, from believing in the justice system. Yeah. Like he can't come out as the president and say, oh, I don't believe the justice system did its job. Well, and I, I agree. I mean, OK, but I also think that Obama had several examples where he came out and said, like, oh, that's trash or like, you know, when he was president, like and I feel like if Obama could do it, then. Biden could have done it too. Um, and so that's like, that's one thing, but like, I think my other thing is like people hold these leaders to such a high standard and then, or like say like these people are trash, but then also turn around and say like, we need them to do more. And it's like, you know, I don't know, I guess like, I just don't understand what the expectation is from this particular group of people. Because again, I don't think, I think it's like literally on all of us. Like again, in my ideal little world, (laughs) I would have a commune where it's solar powered. (laughs) We recycle water and we fucking grow our own vegetables so we can take care of each other. Like that's what I would want. And we'd have a helipad so that we could fly people to the nearest hospital if they needed healthcare or whatever. But like, to me, that's what, like why why is life so complicated like why can't it just be down to the simple basic needs that we all have like and also like don't just be a good fucking person don't do like shit to hurt or kill other people like is it really that hard like is it that hard to not kill someone i mean i've never killed anyone so i don't think it's that so- hard <laughs> Yeah, I think it's the easiest thing I've done is not kill someone. Yeah, I think it's actually one of the fairly fucking easy not to shoot. Um, But to your point, you know, I think as we have progressed through time and space and as civilizations and societies have progressed, you know, you begin to develop these hierarchies of individuals and how we organize people and, and how we use these systems of organization to place a value on people and place a value on how much you should even respect them or how much they deserve. Um, And it's pretty fucked up at the end of the day. Um, I love the movie, The Purge, which is a horror movie, but it's, it discusses, it has implications of public health um, and discusses, socioeconomic status and you know why is this person more valuable alive than this person who may be homeless or who may be in underserved um communities and yeah um, it's a it's a great movie anyway but that's a little plug but i can't i haven't watched it and i don't think i'll be able to just because i can't handle gore like i really can't it's it's so good though (laughs) the first one is like it only kind of touches it and but the second one does a very good job the second and the third one does a very good job of just like touching on the like that socioeconomic that political health piece that that politic piece of killing the poor yeah uh, believing that the poor and black and brown communities and people are dispensable. 
Um, and so that's kind of the society, I think that's reflective of the society that we live in now. And I think a reason why The Purge also works so well is because it's considered a dystopian um you know, universe, basically, mm-hmm. and that is not truly representative, quote unquote, of the life we live. But honestly and truly, that world is very heavily aligned with the world that we have today. Um, and I think that's why movies like shows like The Handmaid's Tale is so, mm-hmm. you know, it connects to a lot of audiences because yeah. it's that far-fetched. <laughs> Yeah, that's exact. I was kind of thinking that too when you were talking about the purge, just thinking about the Handmaid's Tale because I have watched that. Maybe I should watch the Purge too because I do actually like dystopian movies and books and things like that. So maybe I should watch it. I don't know, um, but yeah, like it. I think that I think that's the kind of scary part to me is that like you know we label these things as dystopian, but they're actually not. Like you said, too far from like what the reality is, and that's that's pretty scary really scary actually so I don't know like I have some ideas brewing in my head and we'll see what happens like stay tuned for the next 20 years <laughs> but I mean I become a uh, get on the supreme court you know and become a judge and then you can That's be a lot of responsibility <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg because you know the judicial system they interpret the laws right so yeah. that's where a lot of that what is the expression where rubber meets the road mm-hmm. that's where a lot of the rubber meets the road right is yeah I mean but that could be you aren't don't you want the law degree like don't you have to have a law degree to be Child, I mean, if you white, I'm sure you don't. But (laughs) I, I don't know. I just feel like I love healthcare, and my goal isn't truly to leave healthcare Mm -hmm. um, in order to become a judge. But I definitely want to go and get my JD um, and use it somehow in order to help Black and Brown people. Um, But it really does feel like, at the end of the day. You know, I can make a difference in the lives of one person or a group of people, but to tear down these structures that are in place to uphold white supremacy feels like a task that I don't know how to approach. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know, you know, what how to to tear those structures down. Yeah, and I just feel like that's not something that we'll see in our lifetime. Like, but also with that said, I do want to like highlight that I like, I think about, and again, I think like my viewpoint is biased because I am in Philly, which is a very like activist city. Like we've talked, I think someone mentioned this on our podcast, mm-hmm. um, like when they came on, but you know, like I, think about a lot of the conversations that my students have. Like, I mean, I teach an intro-level public health course and it's like all kinds of students, like students who want to be doctors, nurses, occupational therapists, public health practitioners, like all kinds of students. But the discussions that they have in class, I wish I had had when I was their age. And I do think that is a sign of society evolving in what I think is a positive direction. Because I think like even just having the conversations that shows 
a difference between like, again, when I was 21 and the 21, the conversations that 21 year olds are having now. Um, if that could be more universal, that'd be great. <laughs> but, but I do think that that is a positive sign. And again, maybe in like another, you know, 10 years, it'll again, look different where it's another step in the right direction. But I mean, I think like, I had a conversation recently about like this idea of like even racism and how even some of the comments that we might accept from our friends, like if they have racist undertones, should be should we be accepting them? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's my opinion. Like none of my friends would ever make a joke that had racist undertones focused on me being Indian or anything like that. But you know, not everyone has the opinion that that is okay. But I think that's also where people have to like address their own internalized racism or homophobia or whatever it is, because until they do that, um, they're allowing people to continue this like racist narrative, even if it's a joke or whatever. And I don't, I struggle with that a lot. I don't know what the right answer. Like, I don't know how to change someone's mind, but I feel like, you know, when we started this podcast and we'll probably talk more about this in a later episode, but I think when we started this podcast, I was also reading this book, how to be Mm anti-racist. And like one of the ideas was that we all have to kind of acknowledge our own racism first, you know, and like, cause we can't like, no one can control another person. And so I think it's on us to like, first acknowledge how we might be racist and then also try to undo that right um and I don't know like I don't know I mean I think for me that's a great way to do like do things I feel like it's made me more aware it's made me choose friends who are of like-minded but you know of course not everyone's like that um so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think there's an easy fix, but I would just say like maybe in 10 years we'll be in another step in the right direction. If like on an on a you know an individual level, not so much I think the court system just needs to be thrown away <laughs> and rebuilt. So I agree. I just my question always is like, well, then how do we truly do it? Um yeah. Because I mean I have getting my my team to you know adopt a new workflow is challenging right change is always challenging but telling white people that you know they their their whiteness will no longer you know be the currency that they know it to be um and that they will be treated just like everybody else black brown asian everything in between, um, I, I think they would have a, a freaking conniption. Like, they would not know how to even function. They would actively fight against it. So does that mean we create a civil war? I know a lot of people have talked about that. Yeah. I I think that's also an interesting point. I don't, like, again, would I be able to handle a war? I'm ready to, at this point, I'm ready to <laughs> knock some heads off because at this point, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. 
But, you know, also, like, I've also noticed my own attitudes towards white people have been, like, not the greatest. <laughs> like, I do have white friends, of course, but, like, I just, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I just kind of discount them as, like, okay, you're going to be problematic no matter what. Like, I can't expect you to be, a, an, you know, an ally. And I look towards my friends who are people of color to be, like, those actual pillars for me like you know um like I think I value their voice much more than I do like my white my white friends voices which is probably not good but I just you know you know I white people had their time I'm over their time I want I want something else like I want I want to see you do well I want to see Ty do well I want to see my friend Katrina do well like I just want to see these people do well I don't want to see like anyone else rise above any of you that who's especially if they're white like you know so that's just how I think about it like right I and I again I think that that's also problematic but I don't I can't unjustify that mentality for myself um so here we are just existing me being the conflicted person that I am (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i mean i still you know i still hang with the white folks here and there but i think for a lot of black people you know we are used to existing in these types of spaces where we know you know certain white people ain't shit and then other ones you know are allies in a sense and you know we are not surprised by a lot of things so you know we weren't surprised a lot of us were not surprised when Donald Trump became president. You know, it mm-hmm. was it was very telling because we already knew the kind of America we lived in because we experienced it every day. And I still have some of my white associates slash friends who still say, like, I wasn't, you know, I didn't realize there was an issue until, you know, Black Lives Matter movement in 2020. And so you have lived your whole life never thinking that there was a big issue. Um, And that is a level of privilege that to me is astonishing. Yeah, it is. That they have always associated any crime against a Black person to be their fault, to be a, well, had you just acted correctly, the police officer would have never shot you. You know, had you just not went out to grab that that tea and some skittles and you just stayed home you would have never been dead um so, so pretty much don't live your life like okay don't, <laughs> don't don't blame anybody else pick yourself up by your bootstraps stop getting on welfare you know it's always about an excuse as to why as to justify why the police are doing things versus just understanding that the police ain't shit and that they will create a narrative to fit whatever it is that they want Mm. to to say and do yeah and like you know I hate I hate kind of discounting like all white people because I also know that my white friends would are also the people who would make the spaces for POCs to right you know thrive and and exist and, and you know whatever else is is necessary for POC 
people of color. I hate saying people, I try to use people first language. So like, for, but for people of color to, um, to thrive, but like, but yeah, I, I completely get what you're saying about the whole privilege thing. Like, there's just so many things where like, I, I think there's also another component to it of like being older. Cause I also know, like, I also know, like, I had a period of time in my life where, again, it goes back to being young and I thought I knew everything. And, and, like, the reality is that, like, I had dealt with shit, but I hadn't really dealt with shit, you know? And then when, like, suddenly, like, really terrible things happened or I experienced really terrible things, that's what helped me, like, become more empathetic and more, like, I guess the person who I am today, who I'm, like, proud of being. Um And I think that sometimes there's also that component for some people where they just have to grow up or maybe they just need to actually experience the ugliness that life has to offer them, which is unfortunate. Like, I wish that wasn't the case, but I don't know. There's some, you know, like something else that I've like thought of in the last year is like this idea of like, even just leaving your hometown, like not many people actually do that. Um, And like just leaving your hometown, moving to a new place, like those things give at least, you know, you and me like an upper hand in understanding what the differences are, right. Between people, like you see how people grew up in Georgia and then in Texas and and now Chicago, like there's just so many different kinds of people, different kinds of lives, even like how people operate in their daily life is very different in all these places. And I think that's another thing too, because it's a privilege, but it's also part of like, I think what makes us more empathetic or understand like the, the difficulties of the world, because, you know, like in my cohort, I think I'm the only person who came from outside of the Northeast and yeah, everyone else has either been in Pennsylvania their entire life or they've never left the Northeast, which has been largely, it's like pretty liberal. Mm -hmm. And so like, they haven't seen what a conservative place looks like or a moderate place looks like. And I don't know. I like have thought about that a lot too. Cause I think that's a factor that is missing in this, like in the conversation and the collective effort, you know, to make the world a better place, a less racist place. Less racist place, man. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't, I, I would just be intrigued to see what it looks like, what all this looks like in 10 years. Like if there's been any progress being made, mm. if we do actually defund the police or implement like these mental health services, because the thing is, is that there are places that have done that. Like I think Denver has replaced like where if someone's having like, you know, a mental health crisis, they don't send the police out to them. They actually send trained counselors to them and things like that. Like, so I think like those things are one step in the right direction, but it needs to be more universal. And maybe in 10 years, we'll see it becoming more universal, but I and don't it know. It can always be left up to the individual states. Right? Yeah. So we know states like Texas and Georgia, they're going to be like, fuck all of y'all. We see the police and then you have more, you know, democratic prone states 
um, like California, Illinois, who may, you know, implement something like that. Yeah. Uh, but I think it should be something that gets that federal support, that federal mandate, that federal push, um, and make it something that has to spread out across all states. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree. Um, but yeah. So I want to bring up another topic. Wow. Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson. <coughs> so <laughs> press and choke. <laughs> I'm like, why am I over here choking? Um, so everybody knows how much I love Kim Kardashian. I love her. I think she's amazing. I think she's brilliant. I think she turned the sex tape into billions. Uh, 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 mogul. Wonderful. Love her. Now, Pete Davidson is so dirty looking. And I just cannot. Like, there's a difference between Pete and Travis Barker. So, Chloe, or Co- no, Courtney is engaged now to Travis Barker. And Travis Barker has, like, an edge to him. But he looks clean, actually, for all the tattoos and stuff that he wears, that he has on his body, like his whole body is covered in tattoos. He actually looks really clean. Mm. Um, Pete Davidson looks dirty. But the girls say he has a big penis, so maybe that's what it is. Is that what it is? All right. I was just saying that maybe he has, like, a great personality or something. I don't know. <laughs> because I... I just, he's, you know, he's dated a lot of really beautiful women. Like, you know, um, wasn't he with Ariana Grande Yeah, for a little while? And like, I was just, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. So I was like, maybe he's just really nice. Like he knows how to talk to the ladies. He knows there, he has some like sort of charm, like a je ne sais quoi or something like that. But I don't get it. I don't. He very so. well may have those things. I just, when I see him, and then again, I think he's also like very tall. Um, so I, I couldn't tell you. Um, I know the girls online are like, well, Megan Fox and Kourtney Kardashian had to go get them like a rocker, edgy kind of guy. And Kim Kardashian was like, oh, my turn, my turn. And had to yeah. go. So part of me wonders if it was like she wanted, you know, like, because I feel like she's always a center of attention, you know, out of everyone in the family. Like she always seems to be the one that's the center of attention. But, you know, for a second there, it was like Courtney getting all the attention. And maybe she, this is like a way for her to regain the attention. I I don't know, though. I wouldn't be surprised if Kim has all of these types of thoughts and ideas of like well hold on I, i'm kim kardashian you're you're just courtney no one cares about you and i mean she low-key don't tell this to this girl face that she was born to hell so i mean i wouldn't put it past kim kardashian honestly which low-key makes me would like her more a little bit more because you know take what you need to take kim i just i just there's not much kim could do wrong in my eyes but that's just i just think that's hilarious um, yeah, I mean, I disagree, but like, 
I was re- I, today was it today or maybe it was like yesterday but I was watching this like video about like the timeline of Kim Kardashian and it does seem like she does a lot of things that will kind of help keep the focus on her like that's just been kind of her always her um like the way you know the way she be, she got to the level that she's at now like you know being friends with Paris Hilton and then you know starting oh like all the people all the men that she's dated and then also like the the show that was based on like the story that she and her sister started like it's just always like she's always done things that like like she knows what she's doing in terms of keeping herself relevant or even like you know her her like fashion sense like all of that like it's always like something shocking shock worthy something that will kind of create a buzz Mm -hmm. and so like part of me just thinks that this is just another thing to kind of like keep herself like relevant in the now you know like in the center of of people's thoughts and prayers (laughs) no I don't know I think so I but I do think she needs to navigate her next few steps in relationships, you know, strategically. I think, yes, Kim Kardashian is standing on her own and her own name and own worth at this point. But I think she got there through the help of Kanye West. So, you know, Kanye, Kanye's name put a lot of validity um, around Kim Kardashian, which is another reason why I think she's not going to drop the Kim Kardashian West, the West last name, because it tethers her to someone who has status. Yeah. Um, so I, I think she needs to be smart. Like she doesn't, you know, she doesn't need to go and date someone who's going to dim her star. I think so too. And that's kind of the other thing too, is like, I, I feel like Kim Kardashian is like the person who could get anyone that she wanted, you know, like mm-hmm. she's beautiful. She's a really beautiful person. Um, so I just don't know. I just feel like she could get anyone she wanted. And so the fact that there was like rumors about her and Pete, I don't know if it's confirmed or not. I can't tell. They were um, seeing holding hands. <sighs> oh, well. Either way, I just don't think Pete is it for her, you know? I but at all for Pete, but, like, the girls love him some Pete, so I don't know <laughs> what it is about him. Like, he just is not the girl for me. And plus, you know, he is a recovering addict, I believe. Which yeah. I'm not sure that's someone for, but, like, girl, like, he's not even that up. I just think it's like an alternate reality. It's just an alternate reality where, uh, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, but okay, yeah, I just wanted to get what your thoughts were on that whole situation because I don't know. I do like that she showed up with no makeup on, though. I really appreciated seeing that. Um, just because I, I don't know. I think that there's something beautiful about like just being, you know, clean, fresh face or whatever. Kardashian showed up with no makeup. Yeah, in in that in that picture where she was holding hands with Pete, she uh, wasn't wearing makeup in it, or she maybe she just had like her brows done or something like that. But like, to I just also love seeing that side of people because like, I don't know. I, I think you know you can show both. You can show the ultra glam and then like the 
their face. And I, I, I like both. Um, but yeah. Okay. My next question. This is like more personal, (laughs) but when you think of scent, like a candle, what, what, what do you choose? Like what kind of scents do you choose? That's so funny you asked because I was just at Tarjay and I was like was smelling their holiday candles and I was like, which one says Preston? Mm-hmm. And I ended up not picking any of them because I was like, none of these are Preston. Um, I don't, so when I was growing up, I always was attracted to like the sense of like sugar cookies. Or like vanilla type of things, you know. But as I've gotten older, I really I find those scents to be too sweet. Um, and you know, I'm a hood. I'm a hood dude. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so I need something a bit more, you know, well bodied. Um, and I think that is where my scent choices are moving towards now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, like the, the musk and like, like the leather and like, I really enjoy those really strong masculine scents, but then I also don't want it to be overtly masculine and I want it to kind of have some floral notes in there or something that's more, that just feels also like a woman is present or femininity is present. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like in the middle i want it to be musky and robust but also kind of sweet and romantic like like a little sparkle of like of glitter <laughs> like i guess yeah. that's it yeah i've been like thinking a lot about this and do you have one that you don't... i i think i'm actually in this very similar boat to you um i've been like exploring candles a lot recently kind of randomly <laughs> but um I think I'm the same where I like really lean towards like leather and tobacco like those are some of my favorite scents and then like patchouli um which I know some people like love and some people hate um but like yeah I think I like lean towards the very like masculine musky sense but then I want like a hit of DKNY green apple in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that'll fuck them up. You know, like a little, a little <laughs> of like sweetness. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm like kind of alluding to this. We don't know if it will happen, but in 2022, I may have a new brainchild surrounding candles. We'll see though. Yeah. Um, me and my, my other Gemini friend, are thinking about making candles. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um smell like your vagina. <laughs> yeah. All the My way. vagina smells like patchouli. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I yeah, we've been we've been like talking about it a lot and we've been playing around with like the ideas and things like that. And hopefully it'll come to fruition. But stay tuned, I guess. Um so excited. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I'm probably like 
eating up my own time right now. Like, (laughs) but I don't know. I feel like I need a creative outlet. Like not, I mean, not that I think this podcast can be a creative outlet, but I think I want like something that I can like actually sit down and like make with my hands. Right. Like I need something like that in my life right now. And I feel like that will be my outlet. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, but I think both me and my friend are very invested in this idea right now. And we like always talk about it when we hang out. So we'll see okay. what happens. Yeah. Small batch handmade candles. Um, we'll see. But yeah. Yeah. And okay. So another question. Um, we kind of, I kind of asked you this before, but what is your like favorite interior aesthetic? <clears throat> My favorite interior aesthetic. Yeah. Like if you're working with like a completely blank slate, tabula rasa, like, uh, and you could do like whatever you wanted, what would you do? Like you didn't have to worry about like what was already there. Like, no beautiful archways like you're sitting under but um so I like to think that my style is always kind of modern in a sense Mm -hmm. um I've never been attracted to like vintage styles so like the I mean I I do like the mid-century look at times but I want it to be like mid-century modern Mm -hmm. But default, it is always, like, modern and, like, minimal, like, clean. I like clean, crisp lines. I don't like things to feel gaudy or overpowering. I would much rather have, like, you know, a lighter colored room versus a dark or really, like, bold color, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um. So I just feel like I want it to be clean, but I also really enjoy textures as well. So I want like different textures at play, different fabrics. I like to achieve this sometimes through just like my pillows that I have on like Mm -hmm. the couch or something. Like I'll get a pillow that is, one will be very furry and very soft and kind of cuddly and the other one will have like glitter rhinestones on it or something. I just really like the juxtaposition of having different textures in the room. Yeah. Nice. I think um, for me, I just really like things that are cozy. I think that's what it comes down to. Cause like my, I think about my dream living room and I would want it to be like in the floor, like the sitting area would be in the floor. Like you'd have to walk down into it oh, and it yeah. would just be like a pit of like pillows and like, and this would be more like a family room, I guess, not like a formal living, but it would just be like a pit of pillows and like blankets, like really nice, thick, cushy blankets. Um, and maybe like plants and like, I don't know maybe like a cloud wall or something like that. I'm not sure. Something like just very cozy that like, I don't know, would just be fun to like, just chill and like hang out and just talk to your friends or watch a movie or like unwind, you know, it like, it it inspires you to unwind just because it's, it's cozy. (laughs) 
what type of colors would you like to have in your space? So like, are you a, a colorful person? Do you think that no. you're monochromatic? I think it would be depend. Like if, if I'm talking about this room, the room that I like just described, I would want everything to be kind of like lighter colors, maybe like wicker um, here and there, like furry, like furry blankets. I have like, I feel like my room right now is that um, I have this like giant beanbag chair that um, can convert into a, a mattress. So like if I have people stay over, like they can sleep on the, that mattress. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like my bed is a bed that it's a day bed, but it pulls out to a queen size bed. Like I love, that's another thing. I love like furniture that is multifunctional. Like it, it serves multiple purposes. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would just be very like light colors, very like curtains that like still bring light through it. Like very sheer curtains, a lot of wicker, um, maybe a lot of different textures like faux fur, just like wool, linen, whatever, like, but all very light colors. I love faux fur and like leather. Those are like my fave. I love those. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I mean, I'm not even opposed to real leather. Um, but I mean, I don't have time for PETA, but yeah. But <laughs> I remember there was a time that I was just like anti-leather. Mm-hmm. I was anti-fur when I was a vegetarian. And then I became a fashion student and I was like, fuck that. I really enjoy using leather. Yeah. And I think we talked about this too on our sustainability episode. And like, you know, this is something that was something else that I had to like overcome too. Cause when I was vegan, I was very anti like all this stuff, but like, I think there is a place for leather, especially if it's like recycled leather, you know, like, um, you know, yeah. And that exists. Like there's a lot of people who will buy recycled leather to make whatever they want. And I think that's a very ethical, sustainable way to have leather in your life. But I agree. Yeah. Do you have any other points that you want to bring up? Anything from pop culture that happened last week? Um, did anything happen last week? I'm trying to think of anything stood out because right now I don't can't think of anything that stood yeah. out. Me. Um, the AMAs were last night. Um. And I don't care about any of the BTSs or the Taylor Swifts. <laughs> my girl Chloe performed, who I'm obsessed with, and she did a great job. Chloe released a random video recently where she was like thanking her fans for like following her. And the internet started to clown her because she was like, I don't know, some filters on the video. She had, like, a little bralette on. She was sucking on a lollipop. And she was, like, her voice was, like, very deep and sultry. And she was, like, thank you to my, you know, four million followers and counting for all of your love and support. And then she, like, sucked on this little lollipop. And all the girls were, like... Like, why does this feel like like one of those sex call center videos that you would see at the end of the night? Um, 
and like basically bullied her into taking it down. So I don't think it's up anymore, but like I understood both sides. Like I think she as a woman should be able to do what she wants to do, create whatever video she wants to create. If she wants to look like she's in a, a sex call center, then great. Kudos to her. I think the other argument, which I do agree to some extent, is like this the oversexualization that you know some of our pop stars believe that they need to do because a lot of that is very real pressures like if you're not sexy enough if you're not selling sex then you know are you going to be that successful um but so like i i (laughs) per usual i'm not always exposed to all these things but like has she had other videos where she's just completely different like she's not talking like that and dress uh, like that and like all these other things. I will say a lot of her videos, especially as of late, have been fairly similar, where she's either showing her body in some way, um, twerking, or you know, um there was this one video where she was like, I didn't think it was gonna get that much attention. I was just being me. But she was walking around her bedroom with panties on. Um, and she has a, you know, a fairly like round butt that people like. Um, she's like, what, what, what? Who said that? Who said that? And everyone's like, bitch, I, uh, what, what? Why would you think that you walking around naked online with, you know, just your panties on would not get the attention that it got? So some of it is either she's very naive or she is, you know, trolling and playing to the crowd um but who knows i mean like i said it's been fairly on brand for her yeah because i feel like i mean if it's been something that like it does not deviate from her norm maybe that's just her norm like that's how she talks that's how she dresses and exists in the world is she like someone who's like been famous for a long time no 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 and that could be another thing too is like she doesn't know you know that she's getting, she's like, maybe it's not, well, I don't know. Performing at the AMAs is a pretty big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge deal. And she performed at the VMAs. And so it's a lot. But, you know, that's all I've been hearing. I don't really know yeah. much what the girls are doing. Because I've been so focused on this house. Yeah. And Adele, you her album. Oh, Do you have yes. any anything you want to share about that? I know you shared a little bit on Instagram. It's beautiful. I love it. Um, I've cried multiple times. Um, I really connect to a f- quite a few songs. I would say this album isn't as, you know, heartbreaky as achy. <laughs> oh my goodness. As some of her other albums and songs. Um this one is very introspective. It discusses like her divorce and the impact the divorce had on her son and the impact that the divorce had on her as a person. Um, and I believe because of these things, not everyone walked away feeling like they could relate to her mm-hmm. music in the way that they have in the past. I think in the past, they were so, they were just about the idea of love or like losing love. And I think a lot of people connect to that, right? Whereas this album felt very um, tethered to her personally. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it was kind of like, 
is that a song for us or is that a song for you? And you should have probably kept it for yourself because not a lot of people, unless they've been in that situation, mm-hmm. they've gone through a divorce, they may not connect to it in that way. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I'm i a little surprised if that's like at that response because... I feel like all of like song, like, like music in general is always like very, well, maybe not always, but it's, you know, usually personal to the person singing it. Right. Or like the person who wrote the song and like, you know, they're sharing that it's like, you know, a form of art, I guess. Like, um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess that's like up for everyone has a different opinion on it. It should be personal, you know, but Mm -hmm. the the idea, I think, is that Adele was able to take her personal pain and package it in a way that felt accessible by everyone and across generations. Yeah. It's not just, you know, 60 year old or I think she said she like she makes music for like the 30 to 50-year-old people, basically. But it's not just the 30 to 50-year-old people that like Adele. She has cross-generational appeal. So Mm -hmm. people as old as 80, 90 love Adele. People as young as 7, you know, 8, 9, 10 can't appreciate Adele and her music. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, I, I think that was just kind of the thing about her is that she could make music that felt like it could transcend you know all levels of age and gender and sex and love <clears throat> love whereas this album like i said doesn't always right okay possible yeah i understand what you're saying because it's like how many how many 15 year olds are getting a divorce but um like, <laughs> a lot of people won't have that experience you know yeah or you know how many people because she has a song on there called like my little love and it's basically a song to her son about the impact of the the divorce and uh, you know again if i've never been through a divorce i may not get that if i've never if i don't have a child and never had to feel the weight of, you know, my decision affecting someone else in that way, you know, I may not connect to her music. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, but overall, it's a beautiful album. I just bought it on vinyl, so I'm very excited. Ooh, yeah. Vinyl in your new home. Um, Yeah, no, that's exciting. Um, But yeah, I think... I think that's all that I had on my little agenda for today. <laughs> but yeah, um, if you all, if you're listening, um, well, first, make make space for all your POC friends. Mm-hmm. Go follow Preston at Charming Preston or Flex and Preston. You can follow me at Miss Mona or The Bumbling PhD. I did start posting a lot more on my my personal account, my Miss Mona account. Um, you should go follow this podcast at Unanthropologetic Podcast on Instagram. Um, definitely leave us a like, subscribe, and comment on the Apple platform. Um, am I missing anything? 
No. I think that covers it. I think that covers it. But yeah, also think about what we can do to change the system and let us know so we can buy into it. Don't fuck everything up. So (laughs) you got me and I'm sure you got Mona. So let's go. (laughs) Yeah, the three of us. We'll we'll get things done. Um, But also you're invited to come live on my commune. Uh, you know, 10 years from now. Uh- <laughs> I, I won't be there. <laughs> yes, you girl, girls out here, if you love growing your own fruit and vegetables, then go and connect with Mona. Yeah. I'll be the- Or you could be the delivery person who sends the fruits and veggies to Preston so that, you know, he has sustenance. No, I'll just be the town whore. Like, I just walk around. <laughs> oh, wow. I was not expecting that. <laughs> you know, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I mean, every commune needs a town over. <laughs> but yeah, um, till next time, take care. Peace.